Uh, this is John Bates. I've got a sonar with uh, Mike right now, I believe. Yep, that's me, John. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate the time, man. Oh. So I uh, wanted to talk to you about the tour and, and hopefully some new music and get your opinion on a couple things. And uh, I guess we should start off with the tour. Two dates in SoCal to catch you. March 13th at the Wiltern. Very next night, March 14th at the House of Blues at Anaheim. A co-headline tour with not a band I would expect to see you out with on paper. At least, you know, vocally you guys are very different than <laughs> Deaf Heaven. But how did this tour come together? It came together the way most tours do. The idea for the tour and and, you know, I think most of the heavy lifting for the routing and booking came in advance of us wrapping up the mastering on a record. So I was very much in studio mode while this one's tour was being put together. The band definitely has a an extremely long history of playing tours on which we are not normally the most obvious example or choice for an opening band or, a, you know, support, co-headline, whatever you name it. I think it's been important for Baroness over the years to really try to, you know, stick our necks out whenever possible and get out on tour with a very broad, very diverse cross-section of bands that, you know, have different sounds. If for no other reason, it kind of puts us to the test and makes us, you know, makes us play really hard, constantly keeps us on our toes and make sure that we're, ne- you know, we never get entirely comfortable or, or we never really settle into a re- routine with anything, which I, I think drives us, the four of us to become better musicians. Uh, but regarding Death Heaven, I think it's, it's also worth noting that we and they and, you know, a handful of other bands out there that play and tour at the level we do uh, might not share 100% musically, but, but we do have similar backgrounds. You know, we do come from the same sort of same sorts of scenes and you know in in doing so we've you know i think we've very much like got a lot of friends in common i mean we're, we're friends with them we've, we've known those guys for a few few years now so that that was one of the other reasons cool for us to, to do this tour was generally speaking a better idea for us to get on out on tour with, you know we're friendly with the bands that we're touring with it's it just makes the, it makes the experience for us more rewarding putting their sound versus our sound like yeah it's different i think I think if you're doing a show like this, it would be maybe too too labored to have two of the same sounding band. You know, if it's two bands that sound like Death Heaven, that you know, that's a lot of snare drums, and <laughs> kick drums. Uh, if it's two bands like us, it's you know, it's a lot of whatever we do too much of. So combining forces, you get the best of both worlds, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys both bring out some sweet melody in, in your music, even though vocally it's a little bit different. But certainly the melody is behind both of your bands, I would say. Yeah, for sure. This is a, a co-headlining. Is this a, or is it predetermined who's kind of closing each night? Like you're going to be L.A., Anaheim, or are you closing one and opening the other? In the interest of making this a, truly a, you know, a co-headline in, in every respect of the word, we you know we've really tried hard and we've been pretty diligent on this you know in all manner and in, in all respects to make sure that nobody's appearance of being more important or less important than anybody else we close one night they close the other night since our band is based on the east coast and they're based on the west coast and la is the big bigger of the two markets between anaheim and, and los angeles right they'll be closing the los angeles show assuming the anaheim show is the day before or the day after and i'm you know i have to admit at the time we're talking right now i don't really know uh, yeah they're the riding in front of me but we'll be we'll be doing anaheim i guess perfect and and we can't ignore uh zeal and ardor on there too not at all i mean it's a, this is a, nothing else this will be a very eclectic night of music a lot of tunes a lot of a lot of uh melody and a lot of singing along and uh mm-hmm. you would mention it so i, I got it i was gonna cer- certainly bring it up but new music what can you tell me i can tell you that if you or anybody that's listening to this program Anybody tuning in who comes out to the show is guaranteed 
to hear and see something they have not heard or seen before. Awesome. So get a little taste. Any any sort of time frame as to when we might get the full album? I mean, and it's been a few years. We're a little bit starved, I think, or at least I am as a Baroness yeah. fan. Uh, you know, as as a musician who ultimately has to, you know, is in charge of releasing music, I'm I'm a bit starved to release it as well. So I can <laughs> say that it will be out as, as soon as is humanly possible. And uh, without giving away too much, I can say that there are some dates coming into view or that have come into view, I won't say which. And though that information will be coming out as we tour. So to all our fans who, you know, following us through through our social media or on our website or wherever you wherever you learn about all things Baroness, um, there will be some big news in the very near and foreseeable future. Awesome, man. I can't wait. And, and I'm going to go ahead and say it out there now. And I'm, you can you can blink twice if I'm right and once if I'm wrong or or just laugh out loud. But I'm guessing that one of the things I love about your band is is the different color schemes that kind of go for each album. And I'm guessing this next one has got to be orange. Like that seems to be like the, the color left out of the uh, the basic colors of the rainbow that hasn't been selected yet. But I'm hoping for an orange album out of Baroness. That would be the the obvious assumption, and uh, and we are aware of that. So I'll, leave, <laughs> I'll leave it there. I'm pretty good at not answering that question. I've been doing it for three years now. Um, <laughs> so very very soon, we'll know very soon whether or not I stuck to my word that we would not continue our album color titling sequence. Ah. We'll see. I love I love <laughs> love that. One thing that we can look forward to with the new album for sure is is Gina contributing to an album. And I had kind of heard before the uh, kind of cool story about how how you met her. It had something to do with like an effects pedal or something of yours. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I have two partners, and the, the three of us make uh, a, you know make a fuzz pedals uh, under the company name Philly Fuzz. It's it's a very DIY venture. You know, it's super super punk rock. We just build everything to order more or less and everything's hand done hand painted you know the whole nine i noticed uh when we really when we first started making them commercially available that one of our first customers if you will uh was located in you know basically in my neighborhood in philadelphia uh or just outside of philadelphia and my partner told me i should check out this person's instagram account and when i went and saw gina's you know saw gina for the first time online i was immediately struck by the fact that she was an incredible guitar player it really was just a series of i guess a series of fortunate events that followed when i met her we were not actively pursuing a new guitar player you know pete was still in the band and i no no i I think when i met her pete had just told us that he you know he was planning on leaving and so it just seemed like you know like a very good synchronicity that you know that that moment happened you know with with my pedal company and, and with gina and then everything else just you know, it just sort of happened. We were met. She's an incredibly nice person. Great, great, great musician. Super, super great attitude. Good at everything, you know, from the obvious stuff on stage to the, you know, to writing, rehearsing. You know, really, it really was just another great stroke of luck for this band who have found somebody to bring into our ranks and to integrate as a member so quickly and who's such a, you know, who's got such immense talent that we, you know, we feel, we feel proud and we feel lucky to have gotten a new member without really having to take a step backwards you know with our business you know, with the business of the band and touring and, and writing and everything we just kind of you know ran forward as quickly as we could once that happened you know everything's been great since then yeah i mean i i saw her and you guys at Ozfest meets not fest oh yeah yeah okay cool and that's kind yeah, of out like early the early afternoon show yeah exactly that's kind of out where where the radio station is but uh kind of wanted to get from uh from your experience kind of a recap of that day for you and who you saw or might have hung out with and, and just kind of how that experience was for you. 
I mean, it was, it, you were there. It was pretty wild. It was, it was super sunny and, you know, kind of, kind of warm all day. And, you know, the way the grounds were situated, there was, you know, two stages and a whole lot of distance in between them. So my recollection of that day is that I spent a lot of time walking back and forth between the main stage venue and the, and the two stages that we were, or the side-by-side stages that we were playing on in the field. Pretty much ran into everybody that was there. It was like a ton of, you know, a ton of our friends from bands that, you know, that were really, uh, the guys from Iron Reagan were there. And of course, you know, when, when Baroness was starting, we, we, used, to, we used to play quite a few shows with municipal waste so th- those guys were there I didn't, you know I didn't meet any like I didn't meet Ozzy or, or, or any of those guys <laughs> that, would have been, that would have been cool but you know I spent a lot of time out in the audience you know, meeting our fans and, and watching music. That's that's generally what I'll do at, at festivals like that. Yeah, it was great great to see Gina in the fold and looking forward to, to a headlining set out of you guys and, and her. And speaking of infamous things, and one other uh, infamous story kind of out of a bad situation that I kind of wanted to hear about, certainly, and thank you for continuing the band all these years later. I mean, that horrific bus crash that, that you were involved in. And I mean, a lot of people, myself included, understood it had you packed it up after something like that uh, happening, but it's amazing that you did soldier on and continue to, to play and, and create new Baroness music and just kind of wanted to talk about that and, and all these years later and how, how you're feeling and any any scars that left over from that event or uh, physically and I'm, I'm sure mentally as well. In, in these discussions, I prefer not to speak for the other the other band members that were in our bus during that crash because everybody had a very uniquely different experience. I mean, nobody had a positive experience with it. I'll say that you know the way that I particularly was um, struck, if you will, by this by that that accident was that you know I've got scars that won't heal. You know, I've got a seam running up the entire length of my left arm, uh, a ton of hardware and bunch of things missing, bunch of things replaced. It's really not a pleasant physical story from my standpoint, but I will say that in order to make that experience mean something of value to me, you know, moving forward with the band provided me with, you know, a means by which I rehabilitate myself to, to the best of my ability, you know, given my circumstances, given my current physical limitations. Things were pretty rough and continue to be so. That, you know, it's just one of those awful situations. I really wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, but, you know, I got to live with it day in and day out. So, I'll say this, at least I've got my creativity and I've got my art and I've got my music that helped carry me through the difficult times in my life. And, you know, that certainly was one of the defining difficulties that I've had to deal with and continues to be so. I really think that there is something miraculous about music in general, the way that it can provide some stability to people who are like me, who, you know, falter sometimes or, you know, sometimes through no fault of our own, you know, we, we stumble and things happen and, you know, it's painful and it's, you know, you've got anxieties and stresses and all kinds of stuff, and it's way more complicated than you ever imagined it being. But at the end of the day, I can turn all of that into something positive and something that I can share with, with our audience and with my bandmates and everybody else around me. So I see a bad experience that I'm trying as hard as I can now and then for the foreseeable future to turn into, you know, something that's ultimately positive, something something I can leave behind that doesn't, you know, it's that, that is positive, that is creative and constructive and other people might enjoy or find something. No, absolutely. You bring plenty of uh, joy and music therapy to to us, the listeners. And, and so just wanted to say thank you and, and for continuing on uh, after that. And one other button to kind of put on, if there was anything sort of positive or, or sort of infamous uh, out of that, too, that I wanted to ask you about is, didn't you get a phone call during that time period from uh, Mr. James Hetfield? I did, yeah. And many since then. Uh, but I, I'll admit, that sounds glamorous, and I'm not saying it's not. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I value that phone call. That and, you know, 
stuff all this that I was privy to when I was, you know, in a hospital bed, like quite unable to take care of myself for an extended period of time and out of the country and, you know, really just in a rotten place was phone calls like the one that, that Hatfield gave me and some of my other dear friends uh, who reached out when they knew I was compromised and didn't feel nervous about calling me. Those were the things that really kept me going in those hours. And if you're listening to this and, and you ever doubt the fact that, you know, these people who, who become our musical heroes and our musical idols basically become celebrities over time, I'll put it this way. It, it can be easy to, uh, you know, sort of write people off like that and say, okay, well, you know, they're, they're wealthy and they're famous and they don't care about the things that I care about. Occasionally they do. And that's, a, that's proof. You know, that, that, was, that was the proof that I, I needed at that point. To Big and small, we all have a huge capacity for, to try to understand and sympathize with human suffering. And we're all here to help everybody else out around us. You know, and, and it works. It's not some cliche that we, you can spout to the younger generation. It's actually something that works. And it's actually something that will happen on a long enough timeline if you're paying attention. People who you don't think care about you will reach out, and they will. They will show you the great depths of of this understanding and we all share it as a human experience we all have we all go through our own nightmares and i think it's at those points sometimes you just want to know somebody else is feeling the same thing or has been through something similar yeah I, you know i guess it goes without saying if you know the history of that band like they've also had a bus accident yep it was worse than ours because they lost somebody and we didn't. Yeah. So it was nice for me to connect with somebody on that level, you know, just real, real genuinely, like no, no bones about it. It was great. Metal and hard rock and everything always gets such a bad rap and, and people kind of paint us in one corner, but it's nice to see that there is that community and, and love at all, all levels of, of the hard rock and, you know, heavy metal community. And just to kind of put a button on it and have some fun, do you have a favorite Metallica song one we could play on the radio? Do you guys play the longer ones? Like, can you play Orion? I know there's no words in it, but it's one of the best ones. But if you can't, Battery's sick, Master Puppet's sick, everything on that record is sick. <laughs> yeah. um, those, I mean, those are, those are my jams. One to uh, get you on one last thing here, John. I appreciate all the time. And, and speaking of Metallica, the, you know, they're part of what everyone classifies as the big four, right? The Metallica, yeah. Slayer, Anthrax, Megadeth. So I've been kind of working on the evolution of that and wanted to get your take on it. Uh, I'm going to take it up a decade and add one to it and call it the Flannel Five. Curious who your favorite would be off of this list, which I call the Flannel Five. Not that they could really play, but just as a fan. <laughs> would yeah. be Nirvana... Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Nirvana. Pilots. Doesn't, I don't care what you say other than that. It's all Nirvana. It doesn't matter. Nirvana, man, Nirvana, Nirvana was a game changer for me. I was the right age, man. It, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I went through a, a phase where I liked Pearl Jam. I liked Stone Temple Pilots. I, you know, Soundgarden was, I imagine they were on that list or something like yep, that. Yep, yep. Those were, those were all great bands, but, you know, Nirvana was the one that, you know, I grew up in the country, you know, deep in the sticks, right? So we got, like, a limited musical information. And when that band happened, it was like the floodgates were open. You know, every kid that was my age was pissed off or misunderstood or didn't, you know, didn't know what to do. Like that music spoke to us and we all stuck with it for a very long time. I still, you know, I'm still a huge fan. And uh, do you have a favorite Nirvana song just to, to pick one? Recently, it's been Drain You off of Nevermind. Oh, that's my favorite. That's my jam. The song is so good, right? Yeah, they're so just good. the riff alone. I mean, it... Yeah, it's so awesome. It's just a great song. John, just before I let you go, if I could ask you about one of your songs, it's one of my favorites, and I want to make sure, A, I'm pronouncing it right, and, and B, if there's any sort of story behind it, because every time I hear it, I, I almost well up and cry, and I don't know why, but it, going back to uh, Yellow and Green, and is it Eula or Ula? Or yeah, how? Eula, Eula. Yeah. Eula. We just played that. We're, just, we're rehearsing today, like literally played that like 10 minutes ago. 
Oh my God, um, I will wet myself if I see that on this tour in Anaheim. I just gave that away. I guess yeah, we are playing that on this tour. Oh um, yes. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, I don't really lay out what those songs are about because they, they tend to be really personal, and and it's not that I don't feel like sharing personal information because you know I have done plenty of that over the years. I just find that, especially knowing what you've said, like if you've had an experience with it, it makes you feel something. If it brings up a certain emotion. I don't want to push that in another direction. I don't want to tell you what my experience with the song has been because that might infiltrate yours. It might color yours. And if you've got a if you've got a good one for it, I mean, suffice it to say, it's not the most upbeat song we've ever written. But no, not at I all. I like those. I like those kind of heavy ballads a lot. I mean, that tend to be my favorite songs to bring it back to the tour. Like when we tour, we definitely bring a pretty good split between the fast, you know, furious, hyper harmonic, hyper melodic stuff, and then the you know, like the big, heavy, slow songs for, I don't know, everybody in the band has a different way of putting it, but they're like, you know, they're like high school slow songs written by people who love distortion and screaming. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about it too, especially the way the weather's been lately. Your music definitely lends itself to the to the cloudy and rainy days. It's certainly a song like that, for sure. I mean, not all of them, but you definitely have that, that side to your music. Yeah. Definitely. Why not? When we were starting Band Off, it seemed to me, especially then, that there was a, you know, well, I guess I'll say, like, you know, we, the Vermish came from the, the like, sort of punk and hardcore DIY scene, from which there were, there were plenty of final wave of U.S. thrash bands, and there were some metal bands that were in, involved in that scene with us. It just seemed to me like, outside of my immediate group of friends, there wasn't a huge emphasis put on songwriting, you know, genuine songwriting. It was more about you know, fit the style and, you know, who does the style best, who who can play the fastest or who can play the heaviest or, you know, who can do this the best. But it wasn't really about, like, quality songwriting per se. And I don't think anybody cared. You know, it wasn't really the point. I think what we were trying to do with Baroness early on and, and to this day is just provide an alternative, you know, like, sure, Slayer is effective at X, Y, and Z, and Metallica is effective at this, that, and the other thing. What is it that makes us special? You know, I've come to think that perhaps it's our willingness to engage in, you know, I, I hesitate to call them ballads. It's just the best way to reference <laughs> them, in, you know, in our in our catalog of music. But I think for us, it shouldn't come as any surprise to our fans that, our, you know, our music is has an emotional core. That, you know, that's what I focus on, at least, is making sure that I'm being genuine. You know, because I honestly have to sing songs every night of the week. Tour. That's thousands, sometimes, some songs I play thousands of times, but sing them over and over again. Right. I want to mean it. You know, I want to mean it. I want to feel it. I want to remember it. I don't want to just, you know, put a bunch of cool words together or a bunch of, like, cool musical things together. Well, I want to do all of that, and then I want the music to be important to me. And I want it to be something that I want to listen to. And that you can groove to. Yeah, absolutely. Groove is important. <laughs> I love it, John. I appreciate all the time. Dude, you rock. Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now just hit the subscribe button. That way you get it sent to you directly. And follow me on social media at MikeZ967. Don't miss the radio show, bro. Wired in the Empire happens every Saturday night at midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks online at kcalfm.com. Adios.